Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with your host, astrologer and author, April Elliott Kent. Hello, Invisible Friend, April here, and the date today is March 27th, 2023. Welcome to Episode 171 of the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. This week, quieter skies after last week's big developments. Mercury joins with Jupiter and Venus with Uranus. Mars makes a productive trine to Saturn and a Marsy first quarter moon in Cancer. Plus, I'll take a look at Pluto in aspect to planets in the birth chart. The week begins with Mercury making a conjunction aspect with Jupiter on March 27th at 11.50 p.m. Pacific Time, so March 28th most everywhere else, at 18 degrees and 13 minutes Aries. The Sabian symbol for 19 Aries is the magic carpet. When Mercury comes together with Jupiter, small details come together in a big picture. And also, it is a time to break down our big ideas into actionable steps. Mercury delights in the details and the minutiae that make up the whole. And Jupiter, of course, is always focused on the broader vision. So having the two come together, if only for a day, is very helpful. This is a day to brainstorm and use your imagination to solve problems and to elevate ideas. I think the fact that the Sabian symbol for this combination is the magic carpet really gives us some insight into the importance of inspiration and a little bit of magic in making the most of this combination. And now for the moon report and a first quarter moon at eight degrees and eight minutes cancer on March 28th at 7.32 p.m. Pacific Time. The first quarter phase of the lunar cycle always asks us to take action on what it was that we envisioned at the new moon. In this case, the March 21st new moon at 0 degrees 49 minutes Aries. It's also the first quarter in a lunar phase family or lunar gestation cycle that began at the June 28th 2022 new moon. The Sabian symbol for this first quarter moon is nine cancer. A small naked girl bends over a pond trying to catch a fish. And to me, it really epitomizes the first quarter moon spirit. As Sabian symbol expert James Burgess says of this symbol, what is of importance is engagement rather than outcome. And I think to some extent, that's always the idea with the first quarter moon. It's not that we think we're just going to wrap everything up in a bow by taking a single action. But at this phase, there is a playful and unselfconscious spirit just taking some kind of action, however small, toward the direction of your greater goals is the work of the first quarter moon. This particular first quarter moon is also in a conjunction with Mars, and that brings with it some sharp pinchers. Like the little girl in the Sabian symbol, we have to be a little careful about what we reach for, because it might end up with some sharp and pointy bits. 
Let's look at the void, of course, moon periods for this week. On March 27th, the moon in Gemini makes a square to Neptune at 6.39 p.m. Pacific time. It's void, of course, for about six and three quarter hours before it enters Cancer on March 28th at 3.22 a.m. So this is probably a little bit of a difficult night for sleeping because the moon is in Gemini and planets that square Neptune tend to fight the unconsciousness and the dream state represented by Neptune. But it will be an instructional time for dreaming. If you find that you've been having a tough time getting your mind to settle down for the previous couple of days when the moon was in Gemini, pay attention to your dreams on this night and if possible, write them down. On March 30th, the moon in Cancer trines Neptune at 6.45 a.m. Pacific time. It's for it, of course, for about eight and three quarter hours before it enters Leo at 3.31 p.m. This void, of course, period will let all of that information from the previous few days filter down and begin to be assimilated on an emotional level. This really will be a day to be gentle with yourself and with others, and also to be willing to bring imagination and feeling to everything that you do. And on April 1st, the moon in Leo trines Mercury at 11.05 p.m. Pacific time. So that is April 2nd, practically everywhere else. It's void, of course, for about five hours before it enters Virgo on April 2nd at 3.57 a.m. The imagination of the moon in Cancer void, of course, period, is now ready to be expressed through some creative project or even some declaration of who you are and what you're about and what is important to you. On March 30th at 12.03 p.m. Pacific Time, Mars trines Saturn at 2 degrees and 36 minutes of Cancer and Pisces. It's one of the very best transiting aspects, I find, for accomplishing things. Mars gives us the sheer physical and mental energy to accomplish things. And Saturn provides some guidance and some structure to our efforts and also perseverance. We'll ride this Mars trying to Saturn for the rest of the week, really. And it'll be interesting to see what we can get done. Now, because Mars and Saturn are in water signs, instinct is particularly strong and we should follow our hunches to decide which thing we want to tackle and how best to approach it. But once we do, we've got a really good chance of finishing. Mars is on a Sabian symbol that talks about strength of will and the ability to lead others through difficult situations. It's the Sabian symbol, three cancer, a man in fur leading a shaggy deer. So I see Saturn as the man in fur and the shaggy deer being Mars and that primal animal nature. Because Mars is in cancer too, I think that this could represent a positive turning point in family relationships. And in particular, maybe even a reconnection 
with people in your family that you've been somewhat estranged from for a while. Later that afternoon, on March 30th at 3.25 p.m. Pacific Time, Venus makes a conjunction with Uranus at 16 degrees 44 minutes of Taurus. This is the beginning of a new cycle of Venus, which is the symbol of relationship, values, money. With Uranus, planet of surprises and disruption, but also of freshness and excitement. Venus is strong in her home sign and is the ruler of Uranus in Taurus. So whatever these unexpected changes might be that come our way in this week, they should ultimately be for the best. I think together with Mars trying Saturn on this same day, it's a very important day for relationships. It's also an important day to take decisive action and to make long needed changes in our relationships or finances. With Venus in Taurus, sometimes it means that we have gotten into a little bit of a rut in our relationships. And I think when Venus in Taurus comes together with Uranus, it probably represents some much needed change. And the idea that anything that goes on for too long in the same way will tend to get a little boring and a little stale. So coming together with Uranus is an opportunity for us to wake up a little bit to new ways of functioning in the relationships in our lives and also the way we handle our money and examining our relationship with money. What does it really represent to us other than just a means to pay our bills? In this week's mini lesson, I will take a look at Pluto in aspect to natal planets. Over the past two episodes, of course, I gave mini lessons on Pluto moving into Aquarius, which it did last week, and its transit through the houses of the horoscope. In this final Pluto mini lesson, I want to offer just a few words about Pluto in aspect to planets and important points in your birth chart. Bear in mind that a lot depends on the placement of these planets in your chart, by house, by sign, by aspect, and a lot of other factors. But just use these very brief descriptions as a starting point for thinking about important Pluto transits. Pluto brings to each planet it touches a desire to get rid of artifice and to make us a stronger version of ourselves. We're always fond of referring to Pluto as a planet of transformation, and that is true. But the process of becoming transformed, of becoming that truer, stronger version of ourselves is usually pretty challenging, but well worth it in the end. The amount of time it takes for Pluto to complete an aspect to one of the planets in your birth chart usually takes up to a year because Pluto moves very slowly and it will cross over the planet and then it turns retrograde 
and it makes a second aspect. Then it turns direct and makes the final aspect. Pluto represents a process, not just an event. It's actually usually not terribly helpful to know the exact day that Pluto is making an aspect to something because its influence is more gradual than something that would just happen on a single day, generally speaking. Let's begin with Pluto making a transiting aspect to the sun. Each of us has a particular idea about who we are and what makes us unique, what it is that we have to offer the world. Pluto has the feeling that we could be more than that. But in order to do that, we have to get rid of what is false and the ideas about ourselves that are not big enough or that we've outgrown. So this can be a transit when it is hard to feel very significant. It's hard to feel important and it's hard to feel very creative. But underneath it all, we're undergoing a process to become a truer version of ourselves so that we can contribute even more. When transiting Pluto is an aspect to the moon, whatever it is that we depend on, the people and places, possessions, circumstances that give us a sense of being supported come under reevaluation. Pluto's transits often take away some things that we depend on in order that we can develop our sense of self-sufficiency. The moon rules our home. And if you've been wanting to do important renovations that'll be messy and disruptive, you may as well do them during this transit. Pluto connecting with the moon can also, in some circumstances, bring you to prominence in the public eye. And we might think that would be totally great, but it can also threaten something else that the moon really depends upon, which is privacy. Transiting Pluto in aspect to Mercury says that a lot of what you've been telling yourself for years about yourself and about other people is probably wrong. Either these things were wrong from the start or they have become wrong over time. As Pluto transits Mercury, you cannot hide from what's true. And Pluto can be quite obsessive. So it's important to keep your mind and your hands busy with healthy, repetitive, and absorbing activities. You might get into needlework, puzzles, some kind of crafts, something that will keep your mind from getting too intensely focused on yourself and about whatever you might think is wrong with you or wrong about the way you're approaching your life. That energy needs to be diverted when Pluto is aspecting Mercury. Transiting Pluto in aspect of Venus can bring profound changes in your relationships and in your approach to dealing with money. A lot in this case depends on any aspect between Venus and Pluto in your birth chart. If they are in a conjunction, an opposition, or especially a square, this transit can bring some really rocky roads. It's also a transit that can bring big changes to your financial situation. Transiting Pluto in aspect to Mars asks, do you have what it takes to succeed or will you just give up? These transits show us the limits of our personal power and show us that no matter how hard we fight, how hard we work, 
or how angry we get, there are going to be things that happen that are beyond our control. And what really matters during this transiting aspect is how do you handle this lack of control with anger and frustration or by learning to be in control of your passions and your emotions? Transiting Pluto in aspect to Jupiter. Now, Pluto symbolizes great wealth, including other people's wealth. So it has dominion over things like inheritance. Jupiter is considered rather lucky. And when these two planets come together, we might expect to see big things happen financially. And that could happen. But when Pluto brings wealth, there are usually strings attached. The challenge of this transit is to be wise about what we are willing to do in exchange for wealth or power or good fortune. Transiting Pluto in aspect to Saturn. This is a transit that teaches an important lesson, which is that no one else in our lives, however wise they are, however accomplished, can ever make our decisions for us. You'll usually find at some point in this transit that you need to examine the ethical framework of your life. What is right? What is wrong? What is the right way to treat people, even when you're enormously driven towards personal goals? Checking to make sure you've really earned everything that you achieve. And there is usually enormous pressure to succeed. If you work for somebody else, you could be having problems with your boss at some point during this transit. Because Saturn talks about who holds the authority in your life. And when Pluto comes along to Saturn, his message is it should be you. You can't give your power away to anybody else and expect your life to look the way you want it to look. When transiting Pluto makes an aspect to Uranus, you can receive some pretty discouraging messages about trying to do or be anything different. You can get a harsh response whenever you try to rebel against the status quo and do something new. Pluto will usually reward us if we take our best talents and characteristics and use them in the service of something bigger than ourselves. So that's probably the right approach to take when Pluto is an aspect to Uranus to lend your innovative talents. Uranus is always about how we're kind of special. We see things in a different way. We have insights that others might have overlooked and bring those during this transit to a cause that is really worthwhile. And generally, Pluto will reward us for that. But what Pluto will not put up with is a rebel without a cause. It's not enough to Pluto to pretend to be outrageous or a rule breaker just for the sake of doing that. So this is when we sort out where is it that we're just being ornery and where we truly are unique and standing up in opposition to rules that are false, that don't make any sense. When transiting Pluto is in aspect to Neptune, 
We are often disavowed of our illusions, of our dreams. The promise of this transit is ultimately about discovering which dreams are really yours and which were taught to you by other people or by the culture at large. We can feel very disillusioned during this transit. But really, Pluto doesn't insist that our dreams be realistic. He just insists that our dreams be true and honest. That sounds like a funny thing to say about an illusion or a dream, that it be honest and true. But again, it goes back to that thing of, is it really your dream? Or is it a dream that somebody gave to you? The dream of having a particular income or a particular kind of job or particular level of fame on social media. Whatever the dream is, Pluto will let you know during this transit whether it is yours or whether it belongs to someone else. When transiting Pluto is making a major aspect to Pluto in your birth chart, these are milestones in a lifelong Pluto journey. Especially important is that Pluto square to natal Pluto, which happens sometime in your late 30s to early 40s. If you were born with Pluto in Scorpio, the square from Pluto in Aquarius will take place for you sometime in the next 20 years. Just grab an ephemeris and take a look at when Pluto in Aquarius gets to the same degree as your natal Pluto. If you were born with Pluto in Leo, you will get an opposition eventually, from Pluto and Aquarius. Pluto in Libra people will get a trine from transiting Pluto. People born with Pluto in Sagittarius will get a sextile. Whatever the aspect, it brings events, people, and circumstances that help you develop greater authenticity and accept the limits of your control. When transiting Pluto is an aspect to the lunar nodes, The lesson is don't grasp for something out of fear or, again, because the rest of the world tells you it's something that you should want. The lunar nodes always symbolize where we're trying to step away from the default position, from what is familiar, and move in the direction of growth. And when Pluto is aspecting these points, there feels like a lot at stake, and it feels especially scary to move in the direction of what we really want. Transiting Pluto in aspect to the ascendant in your chart is a very important transit. It helps you project a truer and more honest version of yourself through your personality. You need to throw away the tricks and charm that have always gotten others to accept you and instead begin to act a lot more like the person you are on the inside. You will need to develop new coping skills to help you interact with the world in a more genuine way. Your relationships will change too. Relationships are based on each person playing a particular role, having a particular personality. That's not all of it, but it is a lot of it. And if you're changing your personality, if you're changing the way you project yourself into the world, then other people have to respond and adjust to that. You can very likely end up moving to a new place when Pluto connects with the Ascendant. 
because the ascendant is very much like the front door of your house, of your life. And often Pluto will put you someplace it wants you. When transiting Pluto makes an aspect to the midheaven of your chart, destiny calls. And Pluto has a very specific idea about what your destiny should look like. If the career and the reputation and standing that you've built for yourself are not in keeping with what Pluto wants, then down they will come. It can also be a time, however, when you suddenly find yourself in the public eye or brought to the attention of very powerful people. And finally, Pluto in aspect to Chiron, which, as I said when I talked about Saturn in aspect to planets, Chiron is not one I work with a lot. But looking back at Pluto aspects to my own Chiron, I know that these were times when, you know, some of your touchiest places can actually get healed. The thing is that the wound first has to be cleaned out, and that doesn't always feel great. Now, I know that not all of those sound like really uplifting, transiting aspects. And I mean, I have to be honest with you, as I think I've said before, Pluto's job is to help us first tear down what is false, and then we're in a better position to rebuild based on what is true. It's almost as if your house were built on faulty foundation walls, and then they start to fall apart or move around. And the only way you can strengthen your house is to get in there and rebuild those walls. And it is really big, dirty work. And that is kind of the work of Pluto Aspects. I would encourage you, if I have said anything that sounds really negative and you feel really strongly about it, don't get too carried away. I have a Stephen Forrest Skylog report that I sell on my website that examines your transiting aspects over the next year. And you can see what uplifting things that he has to say about that. And also take a look at my book, Astrological Transits, where I have the room to go into a lot more detail about each of these things. And of course, you can always book a personal reading with me. You can find those details at my website, bigskyastrology.com. I will be returning to listener questions in my next episode. So if you have a question you'd like me to answer on an upcoming episode, please leave a message of one minute or less at speakpipe.com slash podcast. Or you can email me at april at bigskyastrology.com and be sure to put podcast question in the subject line. That is everything I had on my show sheet, so I'm going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe or follow the show in your app of choice. Leave a rating or a review, and I hope that you'll help spread the word by telling an astrology-loving friend about the podcast. It's the best way to get the word out. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at BigSkyAstropod.com. 
Thank you very much to everyone who's shown support for the podcast over the past year. On each episode, I'm thanking some of my financial donors by name. This week, let's give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Betsy Passmore and Terry Allert. (laughs) Betsy and Terry, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting the show with your donations. If you would like to support the show, please go to BigSkyAstropod.com. And if you donate $5 or more, I will send you my most recent bonus episode for the Aries Equinox season. And you'll also get the one for the Cancer Solstice season in June. That is it for this episode. Join me again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, visit her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thoughtful essays, find out more about her books and classes, or book a personal astrology reading. That's all for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to stay current with new episodes, and please leave a rating or review. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook or Twitter and Big Sky Astrology April on Instagram. Thanks again for being here, and we hope you'll join us next time.